Yeah, I got a cold open. Oh, a show about landlords? Yeah, we're going to kill it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Welcome to your weekly Corner Spatey. I am Nick, joined by Kieran and Rob, and Yulia probably will join us later. Maybe we don't know yet that it's not official. She is still not back from the front. Don't add us. And uh, we have Tom McGath here to talk to us about, um, you know... Irish Americans. Irish Americans, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Explain yourselves. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran's going to pick a bone with you. Do you Why know Brett you- <laughs> Why are you so uh, shit? <laughs> no... <laughs> No, we invited Tom because, uh, unlike us, he's doing actual a lot of good work out, out in the real world uh, because he's an organizer with the Deutsche Wohnen und Eignen campaign. Which, if you don't speak this horrible language, means that uh, take back them pesky apartments from those dumb, dumb landlords. Yeah, we're going to get into all of that. Uh, Tom knows a lot about the subject, so I'm looking forward to be uh, informed about it. But first, we have to inform you all about more important again? issues. It is that time again. What time is it? It's Megarica. Megarica. Woo! You have to say it Swedishly. Megarica. <laughs> I'm so ready this week. But, but you guys have to explain to me uh, what's the Megarica coming from. Is it like, is it kind of like the Caribbean for like tax shelter havens? <laughs> no. <laughs> like Megarica? Like <laughs> I like I like where your mind's going. You're in the right mindset. Like yeah, yeah. tax you're havens. In, you're in that rich dude mindset. Caribbean islands. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the right path. Nick usually has to brent bench press like 12 pounds of uh 12 Fold, pounds of folded folded polo shirts. 12 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. What am I like a Oh, come on. At least 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know pounds. I'm from Europe. Um, yeah, so Megarica is the Swedish term for mega rich. Oh. Uh, it is, is it now that they use in their newspapers over there. I was like, I saw that word and I was like, that's a good word. Everyone needs to use that word to describe the oh. ascendancy of our modern times and their general shitness. Swiss German is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I said Sweden. <laughs> I thought that was Swedish. a bitch. Could be, I mean, like, still sounds like a Swiss German word. Ah, yeah, yeah, Swedish, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, I was just in Switzerland. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're also on the right track with your wildly inappropriate race science, because we <laughs> yeah. agree. Swiss and Swedes. Yeah, same thing. You know. Spotify. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. You go north of Germany or south of Germany, it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you want to break down once again how this works yes. for our first time Mega Rica listeners? Yeah. Because if they only listen to anything, it probably is this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I found the richest person in every European country. Uh, they're all guaranteedly monsters. They're all guaranteedly men as well. So I'm not going to use gender-neutral pronouns to for this competition because I've given it away. They're all men. Um, at the same time, I'm going to tell everyone else here their net worth, the industry they made their money in, or industries, and then... Three lovely little pieces of information about them, and they have to guess the country that they're from. Uh, to give you an example of some of the cast of characters we've had before, uh, when we've done this competition, we had Bulgaria's Thracian architect, like arch- the Thracian artifacts monopolizer, the Skull. Uh, his name was the Skull. 
Uh, <laughs> Legally? Yeah, no, Va- <laughs> Vassal Vuskol Boshkov. Okay. Uh, we had Georgia's former prime minister, Bedzina In- Invenshvili, and his beautiful, big, albino rapper son. Um, and who else did we have? Oh, we also had, like, the Icelandic, like, brought industrial capitalism to their country and also was intermarried to the Nazi American party. Um Bjorgel for Thor Bjorgel Forsen. <laughs> Sounds like someone made up a parody Icelandic name. Um He he his his name is a tax haven. <laughs> they just made up like a yeah, shell company. Yeah, yeah. My name's so long it has a fucking corporate tax rate. <laughs> a really low one. <laughs> Alright. So I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Yeah. Net worth one point two billion. All right, I'm fucking pissed. This is three in a row, <laughs> less than two billion. Yeah. I thought we were talking Mega Rica. Yeah, I'm really mad because Germany's. I looked up today is like 35 billion. Like that's big baller shit. Like, come on, we'll get there, man. We'll get there. Ugh, God, these there better be yeah. multiple uh, ancient uh, societies worth of artifacts in this guy's yeah. in this guy's <laughs> possession. Uh, I have 52 other people after this, so we're we're, we're still got some ways to go. Wait, do 52? What continent is this? We have a very loose definition of Europe because uh, okay. Europe is also Lebanon yeah. and <laughs> Tajikistan. I think there's yeah. like ah, so the borders are fluid. The, bur- Just... the borders are fluid as they should be. Um, anyway, um, why are they rich? He started the country's first private bank. Ooh. It's the same shit every week. <laughs> so Eastern Yo, rich people are fucking cancelled. <laughs> Fucking boring. Used it to invest in real estate, auto dealerships, and petroleum distribution. Okay, kind of cool. So he lives in Oklahoma. He's <laughs> the richest person in Oklahoma. You know, wait, 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 wait. I'm taking an early guess here. Azerbaijan. Uh, oh, Damn. All right. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna right, have to... Locked in. Uh, we're gonna Final have answer. We're going to have to hold the answers till the end. All right. Okay. All right. Um, he now owns an insurance company, a charter airline, and several other companies that all have his name on it. So... I can't tell you their name. <laughs> nice. I too have bought a, a label maker and just <laughs> on everything. <laughs> just can't. Once you start, you can't stop. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. That's actually how private property works. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, Especially that's, after like the collapse pretty, of the Soviet yeah. Union. You just put your name on it. You own it. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Fact number one. Okay. He started as a professional athlete. First as a child ping pong star. Ooh. Then a tennis player. Real sports. And then ice hockey. There we go. This is that real Mega Rika shit. Yeah. He now owns his own tennis tournament that used to be in Germany, but is now in Spain. He moved it because he said Germany lacked a tennis culture. Agreed. <laughs> Rob, just I've, every time. I've, I've been saying that, man. <laughs> Why am I a billionaire? Um, he pays his male and female athletes the same in his tournament. But he, he would... Go on. I was about to say, we finally reached an equality. Yeah, Woo! we did it. Woo! Oh, no, no, don't, get, don't get too fast. Don't get away with yourself there because he really, really rather not. <laughs> 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 he stated before that he would, want, based on his maths, he would like to pay the women roughly 66% less. <laughs> <laughs> He's done this through some sort of weird calculation of ad revenue. Uh, a court, okay. Also related to his sports career. According to a Sports Illustrated interview with a contemporary of his, he once ate a champagne glass without bleeding. 
It doesn't really go into much more details than that. All right. <laughs> I broke Nick with that one. What the fuck? He ate a champagne glass. Without bleeding, though. Without like, bleeding. But, like, so it was full. Like, he just, like, slid it all in there. What do I think? It was just a. What do you mean, full? It's well, like, like is it broken whole into shards? Glass. How do you. You can't finish How it. How do you eat it? I don't know. <laughs> all did I know he, is he did it and he didn't bleed. Did he spend, like, two hours with a knife and a fork, just, like, <laughs> slowly dissecting it like a psycho? <laughs> if you actually put it into the microwave for three minutes, it becomes real soft, like butter. Uh, soft glass. <laughs> soft uh, glass, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've heard of this. <laughs> All right. Fact number two. He has his own museum that he owns and is dedicated to him. <laughs> <laughs> it contains his car collection. Oh, he's so cool. <laughs> which includes historical vehicles manufactured since 1899 and also modern exotics with about 350 cars a hundred and an additional 165 cars at full time display on rota- on a rotation basis, so they'll be like moved in and out. Um, Do you know we're talking about like the Sultan of Brunei here? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Visitors with a very loose definition of Europe. Uh, <laughs> also, it would be like a hundred billion. Like, it would be a lot more. Than yeah, yeah. This person personally paid Kieran yeah. to get into the Mega Rica Europe <laughs> competition. <laughs> it's actually a sponsorship spot on our podcast. <laughs> Brought to you by Barclays. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has a bunch of like various cars, limited production, as well as cars that were once owned by Sir Elton John, Sammy Davis Jr., and Bernie Ecclestone. Okay. Eccleston. Fact number three. In 2005, he invited politicians from his home country and various international business partners to a hunting trip in a rural part of his country. On the hunting trip, his hunting party of 35 people killed 185 wild boys. <laughs> Where are we dropping in, boys? <laughs> Which, did they just like go in with like a fucking like AC-130 and just like... Um, Ten minutes later, just like, okay, done. Like They all got in his cars and they just drove around like fucking pegging wild boars. Wild boars is a euphemism for like villagers in the area. The peasants. Um, it sounds like. Wild yeah. boars is a euphemism for anyone who doesn't have a fucking tennis culture. Uh, I should also point out that, it, yeah, he killed 185 wild boars, which are a protected species in the area <laughs> that he was hunting in. All right, all right. You're criticizing him, but he he called Guinness beforehand and got the world record. So <laughs> Guys, you know, we're kidding. He's at hustling. Least you, don't, you don't become a billionaire without thinking ahead like that. Yeah, rich guy mentality. Record holder for most boars killed in a business <laughs> trip. <laughs> All right, those are your three pieces of information. Okay. Wow. <laughs> First of all, return to form. Thank you, Kieran. No, no problem. Woo. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna. We always let the guests go first. Oh wait. wait uh, oh God. Can we ask some follow-up questions? Uh, you can ask for clarification. Was the board trip in his home country, or was yeah, that information? Was. Okay. All right. It was in his home country. Okay. Yeah. That's not very helpful. I feel like there's boars. There are boars everywhere, everywhere in Europe. In Europe. No. Uh, lack of tennis culture. I don't really know anything about European tennis, unfortunately. I'm not a yeah. huge connoisseur. Um, bank, oil. So I'm assuming it has to be somewhere near oil. First bank, which probably means 
there was not anything capitalistic going on in that country for a while. Tom is way better at this game than we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I guess Azerbaijan to begin with, because they got lots of oil. But I feel that the wealth though isn't enough though for Azerbaijan. Well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Mm. Had that big Euro game thing a few years ago. True. Yeah. It's mm. kinda like a sad Dubai. Sad Dubai. Azerbaijan. <laughs> oh, no. I saw Baku. speaking of that. <laughs> sad do either Dubai. one of you follow Cardi <laughs> B on Instagram? No, but she, uh, she went to Azerbaijan like two weeks ago and she was like, and they're like, oh my God, this country's so beautiful. And it made me think of exactly how rappers go to Dubai and they're like, this is the dopest shit ever. <laughs> it's like literally like a slave labor force, like holding the building up straight. <laughs> there was a, there was a slave laborer holding Cardi B's phone for her. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So uh, God, I, if it's not Azerbaijan, yeah, probably not Boris either. So probably be somewhere where it's a bit more foresty, but they also have oil. Is it Ukraine? Okay. We're gonna move on before we before we clar- classify. Yeah, before we before I clarify. That's Wait, it. Is, so is, is Azerbaijan is Azerbaijan free? Can I yeah, can, you can, take can I take that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take Azerbaijan. <laughs> Maybe I I'm gonna do <laughs> I'll split I'll split the, I don't know. I'm gonna do Azerbaijan's Best friend and neighbor, Armenia. Oh, best friend. Oh, they're good friends. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So, no, you guys got it right. Oh, shit. Oh. Damn. Yeah. Region, though, was where we were. We where we, okay, okay. Region, um, it's the Balkans. Fuck. Okay, all right. Damn it. All right. Oh, wait, I knew right. I felt some Balkan yeah. energy there. <laughs> <laughs> EU Balkans or no? He already gave the hint, man. No, because then, oh, then it's like one country. Because we were dumb Bulgaria. So yeah. <laughs> right. I'd be really narrowing it down. All right, Tom, you go first. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you did guess Ukraine, which is the closest. Can I go first? Montenegro. Okay. <laughs> uh, the fake Macedonia. <laughs> With you, that could be either one. <laughs> okay, North North Macedonia. Okay, yeah. okay. What do you got for us, Rob? After this, I'm going to have to tell you if none of you yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. What else is over there? So All right, many all right I'll go Albania. Okay. Unfortunately, none of you guys were right. Uh, right. Oh, God damn it. Uh, Romania. Fuck. Uh, really? Romania is not yeah. the Balkans. That's Central Europe. Just saying. <laughs> you done goofed. All right. Anyway, this is this is Eon Syriac, who is just an absolute fucking beast of a man. Um, I I really feel like I have to show you a picture of him. Everyone at home, please uh, Google Google oh, this very unintuitive name in terms of spelling, unless you speak Romanian. Um, yeah, very very tanned individual. Holy shit! With he's a, cool. Yeah, with a big ass mustache. <laughs> First of all, being extremely tanned is just Romanian culture, so respect, yeah. <laughs> respect it. Uh, I, I have it's hard. A, <laughs> I have a wonderful quote here for uh, from John McPhee, Pulitzer Award-winning American writer, who just once described this man um, that his drooping mustache suggests that this man has been to places most people do not imagine exist. He appears to be a cigar ad, a triple agent from Alexandria. A used car salesman from Marrakesh. He has the air of a man who is about to close a deal in the back room of a back room. 
I got that exact same vibe. <laughs> but what an That's evocative such... quote, not just in describing the man, but in the ability. New York Times writer, you said, right? No, Pulitzer Award winning. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Just any writer just being like unable to like, I mean, just engage with like all the evil shit he does, but just be like, overwhelmed with them just because he like has a million cars <laughs> like you might as well say like this is that's the mustache of a man who can kill like not dozens hundreds of boars yeah. <laughs> i think it's the same guy that wrote all those dos equis commercials yeah, <laughs> yeah. i also want to talk about his car museum because it's it's like it's like the size of the village i grew up in as a kid like it's this fucking giant airport hangar that's filled with cars they actually expropriated a village just like yours just to build the museum oh man pri- like, like privatization in romania was buck wild <laughs> in syria i could just come in and like i own this village now it's, it's all good it was his label maker obviously yeah and then like everything he owns is just like Syriac insurance, Syriac cars, Syriac bank. Syriac sounds like like a sounds something like I'd hear. No, it sounds like a it sounds like a medication I'd hear about. I'd hear in a commercial like, "Ask your doctor, Syriac is right for you." <laughs> you know, probably that exists. If you kill more than two hundred boars in four hours, please contact your doctor. <laughs> oh, in one hundred eighty-five, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> So that's Eon Syriac, the richest wow. man in Romania. 1.2 billion. We've gotten really bad at this game now. Yeah, we, we get worse every week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's also oh, no. figuring out how you're guessing, so. He's, yeah, I'm he's learning. Kieran too much credit. He's on to you. So there's oil in the Black Sea then? Is that why? That, that's what No, you guys got to hog up on that. He does uh, distribution of it. Petroleum oh, distribution. Yeah. There's no oil in Romania. Like, yeah. Romania's like mostly agriculture. But, but he controls the oh, No, but like if they in. have the sea, like they maybe in the minerals. sea, I don't know. They gold mostly, yeah. There's, there's gold in the sea? No, there's no there's no <laughs> sea in Romania. What do you mean they border the, the Black Sea? No, they don't. Yes, they do. What? Romania? You dumb yes. bitch. They have a city, Varna, that's on the Black Sea. Oh, it's okay. also in the Balkans. <laughs> it's not in the Balkans. All right, forgive Nick. He thinks it's all Greece. Sorry. Romania's wrong, though. Romania's not Balkan, though. What? It's not. It isn't no. Balkan. It's not considered Balkan. Don't Google Balkans. I'm Googling Balkans. Sorry, everyone. Balkanness under review. Yeah. Bam, right outside it. <laughs> This is bullshit. No, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Look at that. Ah! Do you know how much money he paid not to be called Balkan? Uh, a lot. Uh. 1.6 billion. <laughs> <laughs> it was half his wealth. That's why he's so poor now. <laughs> uh, we, w- we would close this deal with you if you weren't from the Balkans. Well, good news, sir. <laughs> I'm not he Balkan. cracks open this map I've got in front of me, which includes a small part of Romania as a part of the Balkans, but he's probably not from there. Sure as hell isn't from there. <laughs> Alright, that's the Megarica for this week. We should probably start talking about like real shit now. Yeah. yeah. I just um, like to thank Europe for blessing us with another billionaire and I'm just, I'm thankful for all the ones still know, to come. Bless up Europe. Like I appreciate you, all your stupid fucking billionaires, but you're cool billionaires too at the same time. I need to lift more Forbes magazines next week. <laughs> Practice being rich. Fuck, yeah. Kill some boars. <laughs> I'm going to rent an AC-130 and just go buck wild on, on wildlife. <laughs> Rob, you in? Yeah. Okay, cool. I Are had it- to find out that shit by going into the, like, 
the Taz archives by just googling this man's name. <laughs> he's he's done a decent job of controlling his image, but no, I've got they've got a decent mm-hmm. archives in that Taz.de. Why do you think they call the AC one one thirty a warthog? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it, what's the warthog? It's one of them. Cut that. <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've shown up raw for being like a military tech noob. <laughs> how will he ever recover? So we're gonna we're gonna yeah. talk to we're gonna talk to Tom here about how he feels inferior for not starting a podcast and not contributing to the left movement at all. How does it feel to be a failure? Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why don't you do some praxis and start a podcast? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only here because Rob and Kieran forced me to be here. So do you do you, Bay? Like we record in your apartment. You need to be here. No, I don't. <laughs> you make me be here. You break my keys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forced to stay here. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> now to learn stuff. So. I guess we should start with, um, we do have a lot of listeners in Germany, but maybe, I, probably our German listeners know, but for everyone who doesn't know, what is Deutsche Wohnen and Dagnen, uh, and what's going on in Berlin? Just broad overview to get us started. Sure. Um, so Deutsche Wohnen and Eignen is a citizen's initiative that was started, I think, about a year and a half ago. And the overarching goal is to expropriate, for all you lay people, that means seize, uh, the apartments of basically all the mega landlords in the city. So any landlord that owns more than 3,000 apartments. Um, and through that, uh, basically transfer the ownership into public hand. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of terms for that in terms of the dialogue. Some people call it nationalization, which is not entirely true. Um, I think that's been kind of a bit of a shorthand to explain expropriation because most people in, hmm. I would say, the Western Hemisphere aren't so familiar with the term. It doesn't, doesn't happen so often in terms of like the public discourse. Um, but the idea here is actually that it would be owned by the city and all these apartments would then be communally managed by a, a new uh, institute of public law, basically. And the best thing about this is that the, the institute would be democratically managed. It would be run by a... Uh, nine-member administrative council, um, which is majority elected by the renters. So five, um, actually 11, I'm sorry, 11 members. So five by the renters, four by the workers, and then two from the Berlin Senate as well. So for us, um, it's actually much more of a, I would say, a uh, launching into this much more idea of retaking the city and re-socializing the city and making it more for the residents overall. Um in terms of the the company itself, um, Deutsche Wohnen, they yeah, are. Well, that's why I wanted to ask because you mentioned it. So it's uh, if the if companies that have at least three thousand uh, rental units or apartments exactly. in the city yeah. are being expropriated. So why? How did you get that number? First of all, what's the point of that? And why Deutsche Wohnen, which is yeah, German apartments? Why? Why is that the mm-hmm. in the in the name? Why have you bullied them, you monster? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so the first. Uh, the first thing with the the 3000 apartments so the first the issue there is that there's quite a lot of large landlords in the city and it's actually um a huge side effect of kind of neoliberalization of city politics in general so you had a bit of kind of a retreat from um the major parties in berlin in terms of uh their municipal control and their spending and how they were managing property as well but it's kind of a, a, a 
wider global side effect of this kind of neoliberalization of municipal politics. Um, but it, it created the space for these massive, uh, massive financial asset landlords to come in and basically buy up apartments like it was the wild, wild west. So what you have is now a, a huge concentration of apartments in a few players' hands. So Deutsche Wohnen by themselves, they own the most apartments in the entire city. It's 110,000 apartments. You compare that to London. I think London's biggest landlord is, has, has 3,000 apartments. It's the same thing in New York. You don't have these, these massive disproportionate um, massive disproportionate corporations that can have an outsized effect on the market in general. So that's what we said, okay, you know, we need we need to start somewhere big in terms of, of taking back and re-socializing the city, um, but it can't be so so low that we are also screwing over um, good good landlords and people that are actually possibly maintaining their apartments much better. Um, so it was a bit of a strategic decision to say, you know, we need to identify the really, really bad players and say that within the city on a whole, it has to be a level playing field for the market. I mean, I, I'm not really a big market person myself, but it's it's it is a much more of a, I would say, effective approach to, to say this and not alienate other people that think that we're doing it just for an ideological reason. You know, there's a practical reason behind it and saying that we break the power of financial capital in the city. Well, see, I'm going to go full ideology, and um, <laughs> why not all Speak landlords? On it. No, um, on a serious question. So, how does this um, something I've always like kind of been curious about is in like with the um, the, the transition, especially from half of the city, obviously being under you know the GDR, and half the city being West Germany. Um, how did that then affect this this um, you know kind of free for all of what is pretty much just like finance capital? Like, I mean. It, there is, you know, I don't think there's much of a discussion to be made that like um, prices of, of real estate are, aren't aren't really done in the sense of like an actual market value, but in that of a, a speculation of what they then can become. Um, so how does that then play a role in the city? Because Berlin has been notoriously known for being cheap, obviously. You know, everyone, you know, five, ten years ago was moving here because you could live in a capital city, afford to. And today, that's not really the question. So, th- does does this historical aspect play into that? Like, that's more of a. It's not really on the 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 outline. It's a question that I had for me personally. Well, I want to piggyback on it because one thing that I read, at least, is that most. Maybe this is true for the other companies too. But isn't it true that most of the apartments, maybe not most, but a large number of the apartments that Deutsche Wohnen gets were formerly publicly owned by oh, different okay. Berlin yeah, groups? I did not know that. See, yeah. Yeah. I'm just playing dumb guy over here. Maybe, not so, playing. I am maybe, dumb. maybe if Nick read the outline. I want to give know. a correction to what Nick said. Uh, people move in here because it was cheap five, ten years ago. I did that last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. You're a little late, buddy. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Sorry. Everyone keeps saying move to Lisbon. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Um, yeah, I think for sure um, one of the main issues is that it's been kind of this commodification of the housing in general and the um, more or less opening it up to to market marketication. So saying that, you know, we had all these houses that were once removed from the markets, um, that people had secure tenure in these houses as well. So, I mean, it's also a trend from all, any other... Uh, Former communist country as well. You have mm-hmm. um, you have an intense privatization where um, 
a, a large a lot of land or a large a lot of apartments falls into private hands. In Berlin, it was a bit different, I think, because um, it was reunited with West Germany. So there wasn't so much of a rapid. I mean, there was, of course, a rapid privatization in general. But there was just so much space, actually, in Berlin that, that uh, it really didn't matter at the time, actually. Okay. So Berlin has always been kind of underpopulated since after World War II. So World War II, there was about 4.5 million people. Um, and now it's actually, I think, shot back up to 3.6. But for quite a long time, it was hovering around 3 million, 3.2 million. Um, and in general, you didn't have a really in large influx of people because there just wasn't jobs. There wasn't any... There wasn't any finance capital in the city as well. Yeah. But this is kind of like the this this spatial fix of capital. The capital will always kind of find new markets. Um, and Berlin has kind of just been the undiscovered secret for some time, you know. And this is where the, the international finance is flowing into the city in, 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 in general. Capital read one of those listicles online that was like, the like, if you know that this city is the best place to move, and it was like a photo of someone like, looking at like a sunset or something and they were like click and they're like oh i gotta invest in berlin pretty much like everyone Terrible. everyone fucking who's moved to lisbon in the last couple of years is like read a listicle no well that <laughs> but also just like you know this will happen to you too in a couple of years <laughs> like so that bit from the simpsons where it's like the old man simpson giving out to homer being like you're gonna get old one day too it's gonna happen to you <laughs> like it'll happen to you as well it's gonna happen to lisbon it's going to be really sad. I remember seeing, like, when I first moved here, there was actually, like, I think it was on, like, like a really stupid, like, Vice article or something like that that was, like, Lisbon's the new Berlin or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. That, yeah. It just yeah. got me thinking of exactly that, that, like, Berlin was, like, no longer cool enough. So then everyone had to go move to Lisbon. And then with that thing, it's going to come with all the horrible shit of, <laughs> you know, yeah. gentrification well, and financialization. Well, it's, like... And yeah. Portugal, Southern European, which even means more for financialization. <laughs> like, and nice weather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, nice weather, bad politics, horrible economy. <laughs> Actually, no, the and just a sea bad. of Airbnbs for Germans yeah. to go on vacation to. Yeah. But this is like this is the beginning stage of it as well, because like people always like the the hack joke in like comedy is a, is to give out to hipsters for like gentrification rather than being like they're the symptom. Yeah. of the problem like they're here because the city is like at the beginning point of gentrification where the services are nice ish and there's things to do but also at the same time um you haven't been priced out of existence just yet yeah and that's what berlin was a couple of years ago well i think um especially that's a great point that you bring up in terms of gentrification it's also a matter of displacement as well so mm. Like when you're entering into a city as a as kind of a young hipster who is able to afford a bit more things, yeah. you're of course displacing local services. You're displacing the local story and history of the place as well to yeah. make to make room for your own livelihood and your own production. So, yeah, yeah, no, like I, I, yeah, that's fair. I just I feel like I, I'm gonna get like mad defensive because. This is also me. <laughs> what I fucking did. But I, but I mean, I think uh, there's also no other alternative, you know, from on some other level. Um, I'm not saying that uh, you yourself are uh, 
somehow wandering around the world looking for somewhere to live. No, I think I think for I'm looking me, for a purpose, man. <laughs> for a purpose. No, I think I think in general it's like you're not even given the option to live sustainably and avoid gentrification if you want to come to a city like Berlin. So, you know, I know tons of people that come here and they're just like, you know, I don't have an option. I have to pay a certain amount and they're still relieved that it's not Sydney or Melbourne prices. Yeah. You know, and it's always I've always been somewhat keenly aware of this when we moved when I moved to Berlin and saying, "Okay, like what where am I moving? What's the situation here? We're going to cause the most gentrification. He, he took out his min-max tables and was like, Berlin, where, let's get it. Where can I run down this? Where can I jog down the street? You know, <laughs> when you see a white jogger in the street, watch out. <laughs> but in general, I think, you know, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily put personal blame on you. You know, it's not like we enjoy paying massive amounts of rent. I think it's... I love <laughs> it. Oh my love God. It. I'm a piss pig, but for high rents. You get that notification because you have a digital actually no i get letters in the mail that say uh, we did, that we this, this is germany man <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but that that, that that like it is i always felt like it was shitty to blame the hipsters because we know whenever you got down to it it was well, like i don't feel all that bad it depends which hipsters though yeah, yeah, yeah for sure berlin has a bunch of like dumbass rich yuppies that then yes. do make the problem worse yeah, yeah okay so like if you're talking about like the Schwabian people or whatever yes but, like, exactly <laughs> I think like, we have to like differentiate which which type of hipsters. Yeah, but like yeah. every like hipster I know from who lives here, who is like from, for example, Paris or London, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because like London stupidly expensive, and then they have like these wages that aren't nearly enough to actually live in that fucking city. Yeah, the only people I know who can make it in London have either saved up for a fucking their entire lives or have their parents basically. Yeah. So. so maybe we can explain a little bit about the rent situation in Germ- in Berlin mm. and why it is more affordable than London and Paris. A little bit is the, the history, of course, because it was yeah split in half for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you could explain how the Mietspiegel works and some of the other laws in Germany that yeah sort of make renting a little cheaper. Sure. So uh, I guess especially within Berlin in general, it's... It's a predominantly renter city, so it's 85% renters, which means that um, it's very, I would say, favorable in terms of laws for the renters. Um, renters are very well organized. Um, I think there's two or three rental associations that help people with their rights in terms of lobbying the city as well. Um, there's 190,000 apartments that are actually communally owned, um, not communally, um, cooperatively owned. So these are actually co-ops that are owned by their renters as well. Um and the city itself has also taken an active role in the procurement of public housing as well. So there's six six companies currently that um, build, are responsible for building, even though they really haven't built much in the last 20 years, uh, and maintaining public housing as well. So there there is currently a somewhat viable stock of public housing in Berlin. Um, we're fighting for more, though. Um, in general, though, Germany is very favorable for renters. Um, so... If you're, I guess, comparing to somewhere in the U.S. or London in general, um, it's highly and tightly regulated. You can't have one-year leases without a reason. Um, basically, the landlord is unable to do that unless they are they have personal use of the apartment or they're planning some kind of business or renovations where they'd have to kick the renter out in general. Um, on top of that, for the last, I think, four years since 2015, um, Germany federal uh, law has actually taken active uh, an active approach against uh, rising rents with um, 
the meet meet bremse which is the the rent break basically um which says that your rent can't rate can't rise uh 15 percent uh more than 50 percent over three years it's just um, a standard like price ceiling right like it's standard price and to determine this um they also have another stipulation that um, once this happens, your rent can't be 10% over the, the Mietspiegel, which in English means the, the rent index, which is the average uh, average new rent in your neighborhood, basically. Which And they scrape this from all kinds of uh, rental websites and everything and do an average. So um, they are taking active uh, approach to this, but for, honestly, there's so many loopholes to the, the situation that we're saying it's just simply not enough, you know. Um, people, the, the companies that are doing this, they're actively, actively finding ways around the law. They're also helping to write the law, so there's there's enough uh, loopholes that they can take advantage of it as well. Yeah, well, about the Meat Spiegel, um, I don't know if in the news recently there's been uh, a bit of a fuss because our old friend Deutsche Wohnen has been refusing to accept the new uh, Meat Spiegel for Berlin. And their argument is basically like you're not including enough of our apartments where we raise the rent more, and so the Meatspiegel should be higher so that we can raise the rent even more <laughs> according to the Meatspiegel. <laughs> like that's that's the argument as I understand it. Well, the thing I always kind of find funny with because it like the thing like um, with exactly I'm just, like just viewing this as as just a very standard um, like price ceiling or uh, yeah ceiling not floor yeah ceiling. Um, I always find it really funny in like microeconomics about how you're always told that like yeah these just these just don't work like they're impossible like you know because they just you know they encourage people to then go do something else with whatever this is and that's absolute bullshit because that just is a view of like viewing the world in exactly like this like Deutsche Wohnen like the the I mean to be fair economics is done as predominantly like in a neoliberal sense that then benefits supply side you know thought processes but. Where you were saying at once said that then Germ- that 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 Germany, especially Berlin, has like a very renter friendly kind of uh, 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 atmosphere. Also, then is is still just kind of like it's hard to believe as a renter than yourself because, at least for me personally, I always kind of feel that like 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 being just pushed into this sense of like to to I mean the apartment that I live in is owned by a massive Austrian company. So not Deutsche Wohnen, but you still feel feel like there's like these, those loopholes that are done every which way whatsoever, so that then they can get the maximum profit out of you, in order to then still fit into this like, you know, regulated um, mandate set by the German government. So it is like I'm, I don't know, like I'm I'm personally just like like always like perplexed when I hear like an argument like that from Deutsche Wohnen. And like how they're always like trying to re- rewrite this and that and that. Yeah. Well, so I, Deutsche Wohnen needs to be more like Nick's property management company, the Fritzl family Austrian company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like, but like, still, even in that sense of like, um, the thing that I've always kind of noticed is that then your property, then um, again, just in a very traditional neoliberal sense, is that yeah, your property, then like I pay, you know, let's say. 800 euros for the thing that I live in and um, things like renovations and, and, and basic upkeep then will not be taking care of my um, apartment as just a sense of that like if we do that we're also going to try to every which way whatsoever like kind of like we can't kick you out because that's illegal mm-hmm. but we're going to then also kind of like try to like give you an incentive just like not to live here anymore which would be not to repair your shit. You know, yeah, but if there's also a host of different sort of tactics you could say that German companies, yeah, German yeah. housing companies take, mm. just off the top of my head. I mean, 
raising the price that like the neighbor costs and so all the utilities and things will cost like mm-hmm. yeah now your water is going to cost like five thousand percent more because <laughs> if we moved in i think venovia which is the second biggest yeah uh, they I think Venovia is Germany's largest landlord, so they have okay. something like four hundred thousand apartments. Yeah, we, if you look, I, I can put a link in the show notes. But like, they just have like a trail of like in every city. There's just complaints oh. like, yeah, our utilities went up one thousand percent here and more here. Uh, what else do they do? There's the law with uh, renovations. Yeah. So they kind of use that as an excuse to like take advantage of. I don't know. Is it German Parliament that passed the law that if you make it more eco-friendly and make the insulation better at least in theory then you can raise the rent but they kind of just take advantage of it they kind of follow the i think it's like the follow the book energy efficiency law basically yeah they follow the book but then don't really actually make any improvements and it's an excuse to raise the rent well the the fun thing is actually when it comes to maintenance of the apartments so Deutsche Wohnen actually has a um, explicit policy of taking uh basically doubling the maintenance uh costs for their for their apartments so people will basically people will receive a notice that their apartment has been bought by Deutsche Wohnen they go around buying up apartments throughout the entire city for this kind of network effect and then they send out these notices saying you know okay we're doubling your uh utility costs and people nothing happens obviously and what they do is actually then they start outsourcing this uh the work to subsidiary companies uh, and paying the people like minimum wages, but then the company itself charges Deutsche Wohnen something like outrageous, like like ten times the amount. Oh. You know, you get stuff like uh, weather, uh, basically winter winter weather service uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, taking out the, t- <laughs> but you know, it's just absurd. <laughs> here, for example, like next door, they're renovating. Right here, because mm-hmm. someone moved out. Mm-hmm. A guy who lived there for like fifty years. <laughs> Downstairs, they were renovating. Below us, they're renovating. Like, every which way they're renovating, except for, like, our apartment. Yeah. And I know that then if we move out, they're going to renovate it and charge, like, triple the amount. Because then the apartments on our same street all are worth a lot more than this single yeah. unit right here is. Yeah. I mean, this is also one of the... I would say the kind of contradictions when it comes to market uh, management of real estate. So it's the idea that uh, the policymakers don't want to disincentivize the active maintenance of the the apartments and the, the stock, but it's obviously not happening. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and when it is happening, it's being used as a tool of dispossession, which is also not something that is desirable from a policy level. So, yeah. um, I guess another question that I had too is. Um, there's always this stereotype in Berlin, especially like when like I don't know like elections or or, or referendums come around. When it comes to them, there there was one about like Tempelhofer like three years ago. Mm-hmm. The idea then was like make luxury apartments there, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah, there was there was quite a lot of different plans. I think the main reason why it was uh, um, rejected was because there wasn't enough social housing being planned for it. Yeah, so it was the idea that the, basically effectively the area around it would be gentrified. So. Yeah, um, but there's yeah so so. There's this like kind of stereotypical argument in Berlin that there are just there are just not enough houses here, and um, like you were saying, the, the population of Berlin has decreased and then is now getting back to kind of its old number. Is that actually true, or are people like are there just houses unavailable to people for the wages that then are like the median wages in the city? Because I see a lot of empty apartments around Berlin. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that there's a housing problem. It seems My like apartment a- wasn't occupied. 
until I moved into it since the 40s. Yeah, I mean, right. it seems like that the problem is ultimately a, like just a massive market failure, which then wouldn't be called a market failure in traditional economics, but... You know, yeah. just a you know, whoopsie daisy. Yeah, just a whoopsie daisy, or like you know, <laughs> a lack of oh, incentive, just, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Bad whatever. Coordination, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um. So in general, uh, I think there is, uh, a way that you can frame this that is not so, I would say, determinant of, uh, the market aspect of it. Unfortunately, like what you have right now is is a property relationship reg- regime that is based on a certain set of property relations and and for alum or explicitly it's it's private property um and financialized property as well so in my opinion it's not necessarily the idea that it's a shortage of housing but it's a shortage of affordable housing in general Mm -hmm. so actually what is being built um in Berlin at the moment is actually mostly just luxury apartments, which has absolutely no. Where we are right now, you know, we're we're at our we're at our penthouse mm-hmm. in Neukölln. We're in the sauna right now, yeah. recording off the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's meant to happen. It's a yeah, feature. It's meant to happen. It's like you know, it's 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 chic. That's yeah. the way of, of, of calling it, right? It's all chic. <laughs> so I mean, even I'm also very critical of also the the public housing corporations as well because. Um, I think something like between the last five years, they only built something like a thousand apartments. They only built something like a thousand apartments. Um, and no, I'm sorry. But it just, I want to jump on that. It's also true that companies um, kind of sit on their building permits a while, right? And wait for the land value to rise. I also read that. Yeah, there's quite a lot of speculation there as well. Yeah. So, um, yo, this speculation shit sounds dumb. <laughs> it's very stupid. But that's also another. Uh, that's an, also another argument that we've also been trying to make that the the private sector is also not capable of building quickly enough because there's not enough incentive. So what happens is that uh, you've had such a massive and di- uh, massive and quick uh, explosion in property prices in Berlin because people know that they can now charge um, a fuck ton of rent for for people. So people are just speculating more and more and more. Um, also in terms of building uh, condominiums for sale as well. So what is the return that you can get on this? And you have a completely overheated market. Um, so when it comes to these properties where people actually aren't building, there's there's a huge uh, surplus of um, construction permits at the moment. I think there's something like uh, 60,000 um, uh, permits at the moment. Uh, that are actually not being taken advantage of because the people that own the property are uh, speculating on it. It seems like my boy Carl Polanyi was right that, in <laughs> fact, um, land is a false commodity, and this shit's all sus, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. What do I do about this? <laughs> I just want to be clear about Deutsche Wohnen. So they own how many apartments in Berlin? 110,000. Okay. And how many have they built? Zero. So, (laughs) oh, what? Wait. Oh, hi. Whoa. So, and like, how many? And how? Like, how quickly did they acquire the hundred ten thousand? Like, over what span of time? Because it's all—it hasn't been that long, right? It was very quickly. So, uh, Deutsche Wohnen came into existence in two thousand four. It was actually created as a investment arm of Deutsche Bank. (laughs) Wait, these bitches. (laughs) Yes. 
Oh, God. Like, when you say it was created, I just imagine like a giant monster like growing an arm out of its chest to just yeah. like grab your money. Oh, via, via some shady dealings in a, via Danish bank it's or something. It's just shit. like a giant homunculus that just emerged from the bosom. That's yeah. real, <laughs> real, real Mega Rika hours <laughs> right now. <laughs> but um, I mean, the biggest windfall that they had was this purchasing of um, the GS- GSW apartments that used to belong to the land of Berlin. So 60,000 of their apartments actually were publicly owned. Um, and this was during the debt crisis in 2004. Basically, the city was more or less uh, teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. Um, and because of neoliberal re- reforms, they were uh, more or less forced to start selling off assets. Um, and they sold these apartments for something around, I think, $450 million, which is absurd uh, in nowadays prices. So just for, for reference, uh, you know, when it comes to... Um, I think general market prices for Berlin now. Now um, you're thinking at something like six to seven thousand per square meters, which means a fifty square meter apartment is something like three hundred to four hundred thousand euros. So, I mean, do the math. <laughs> you know, the city of Berlin, the SPD government—they're just great at making deals. <laughs> Ultimate deal makers. Ah, I've heard this one before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <clears throat> I want to change gears a little bit. Uh, to go back to the movement itself. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of shitty apartments. We got a lot of rent sharks out there. They're like... Those meat higher. Yeah, we got up to no good. Um, then what tools... You say my, wait, was that like an indirect thing about my apartment being shitty? Like, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> wait, how was that about you being shitty? He just said shitty Ooh. apartment. Oh. <laughs> like firing shots at me. Because it is shitty. I accept that. <laughs> but just don't say it like that. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I, I, think it, I think it's she. Your like shitty It's apartment. my shit. Exactly. <laughs> just how like Europe is our shit. My apartment <laughs> is my shit. I love it. Um, love is a strong word. I actually don't love it. It's acceptable. I live here. I can sleep here. My cat's you here. You kind of don't have a choice, right? <laughs> I don't have a choice. Literally, I do not have a fucking choice. Yeah, that's like, the that's the fun part of housing. You don't really have a yeah, choice. Yeah, it's like, oh, I wish I lived somewhere. Oh, I, I, I can't make this, you know, I can't even like think this statement right now. No. Thanks, crapitalism, <laughs> dumb bitch. Sick. <laughs> so I want to ask about what tools are available to Germans or at least Berliners to mm-hmm. combat this situation because... They're called Jugendwiderstand. They're all Maoists. <laughs> they're going to, you know, <laughs> they're going to murder all landlords. Uh, cool. I, I, I hear you're up in, once you're a weekend in, by practicing. You're in discussions with Jugendwiderstand. You're, you're practicing uh, martial arts in the park. But until that goes yeah. through, <laughs> uh, what is it? What are the rent laws in Berlin and Germany? Um, what's in what sections of the Constitution does the uh, Deutsche Wohnen der Dagen campaign appeal to? The Constitution here. <laughs> Do you hear that, Professor We're on your side at the moment. <laughs> well, um, we love the law, our Constitution. <laughs> oh God. Anyways, um, so the first uh, to the first uh, first part there. Um, I think in general you have legal recourse. Um, I mean, with the rent break, you're actually allowed to. Uh, I think you're allowed to sue your landlord um, and basically say that you have to lower the rent. So if you discover that they are charging you more than the rent index or the Meech Beagle, you can uh, report this. I think there's a website and a tool to do this. Mm. But the the crazy thing is actually that you um, there's almost no reason for a landlord not to do this because there's no penalty for it. So the landlord is actually allowed to keep the amount of money that they charged you extra for. There's no uh, retro, retroactive uh, repayment of uh, overcharging a rent. So 
all these all these uh uh measures are pretty weak in in my opinion uh in our opinion as well in general which is why you know when it came to the rising rents and the rapid extreme rising rents in the last 10 years or so um we said that you know like this is the moment to do something uh that not only is uh effective in terms of creating thriving public housing stock um uh one and two and also breaking the power of of capital in the city as well um and then also three basically uh bringing the city back into more of a democratic uh, administration um is to go forward with expropriation uh and the initiators of the campaign um they did a lot and a lot of work in terms of um the legal scholarship here um and uh, found this nice little article nestled in the German constitution. Um, basically, this article, uh, it's Article 15 of the German constitution, um, which allows for the expropriation of resources, production, um, right to production arms. capacities, <laughs> um, lands, and building for the purpose of socialization. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Yes. That's a naughty word. The big S word. Mm. Um, some history to this article. Uh, during the uh, original framing of the Constitution, it was kind of seen as the, the socialist clause or the socialism clause in the, the Constitution. Uh, <laughs> I'm liking what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, uh, I like this idea of like, <laughs> we have to deal with the rising force of socialism. We'll just give them a bit of the Constitution. What if, <laughs> what if, yeah, what if communes, but but like you just you just squat like a one article in the constitution and that's your that's your article it's like weird like entryism but into the constitution um yeah so this this article uh it's kind of also been always seen as that um and i was i was just saying that the the framers of the constitution uh, at the time they more George Washington. kings we love them yeah <laughs> Uh, basically, just some like old guys from Cologne, oh, okay. <laughs> Georg Cologne, um, <laughs> spraying some nice scented water on themselves in Cologne. Um, they um, at the time they were not so. I would say, uh, I don't know. There was no consensus on whether uh, the German system would be fully capitalist. So Germany was in ruins. It was kind of the idea that there should be some some clause in the constitution to allow allow for uh, um, if the Soviets overtake us, then <laughs> well, we, we can pivot. We pretend we were on their side the whole time. Yeah, what is is this like? <laughs> Germany's true. equivalent yeah. of like a three fifths compromise. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even mean that. I don't even mean that as like a shallow joke. It's it's just as crazy that like as like. It doesn't make any sense to to like call slaves. Oh, okay, they're going to be three fifths of a person. Like, how are we going to be three fifths capitalist and two fifths yeah. socialist? That doesn't make any sense. Every, you every, can't you can't compromise. That doesn't. It's just it's exactly the same as U.S. Constitution. Every like, if you're going to negotiate between that. Every socialist, the Bond Republic gets four acres and a mule. <laughs> God. Uh. Um, so yeah, uh, that was the idea that you know, in after the time of intense fascism and destruction of. Uh, population groups that you know that you couldn't have so much concentration of private power that there should be a uh i would say um some method for taking things into common property and this is the key though it's the it's it's the socialization part of it as well so the idea here is that it, it's, it's commonly managed it's not just uh taken over and owned by the state so it's it's imagining a different type of uh economic order as well um I think the the kicker here is also that it's also never been used before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is also why we're saying, you know, uh, 
this is in the constitution. It's it's an effective way to say, you know, when it comes to something like uh, real estate and and housing in big cities where it, where it is a closed market where you can essentially limit supply and demand based on policy and based on the flow of capital, that this is not something that can be managed just by the market itself. Um, and this is why it, and it's an effective use of this clause as well. So it's like the Third Amendment in the U.S. <laughs> but with capital? But with capital. <laughs> Instead yes, of perfect. I, but I really like the idea of like, okay, we compromised the socialists. We gave them this article in the Constitution. We'll never use it. So <laughs> well, like, that, this, is what, this is like the responsible gun owner <laughs> argument from the state. It's just like, I keep, my, I keep my clause that allows me to expropriate property in a safe uh, it's there if I need it, but no kids well, have access to, you have to it. Rise, you have to rise up against tyranny. Well, <laughs> I think honestly, one of the one of the most disappointing things. So you is, guys are the uh, NRA, but in Germany, then I keep I keep I keep my key to the uh, Article 15 in a different room, in a safe. Yeah, it's safe. We don't want no kids wandering around. <laughs> yeah, uh, accidentally, accidentally expropriating everything, expropriating <laughs> property left and right. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I'm not like those other people in the red states that sleep with Article 15 under their pillow. Yeah, there have been in Germany alone 15 cases of just like just rampant child expropriation. Oh no, uh, we're getting dark. <laughs> well, actually, hang on, hang on. If this ever went through, Fox News or something like that is going to talk about it as if it was a mass shooting. Oh, because they would. There's yeah, like a bit of be... mass expropriation in Germany. Well, all these poor this, landlords. <laughs> this is a this is a good a time as any. So, you know, you know, I had to do a reading series for this, and I can't. There's burr, just burr, burr, burr. there's just so much good content. Good, so, good what we're gonna do is then. pot shots. We're gonna dip in and out of the reading series. Right, so and I want to introduce our first one. Kieran said the magic word of people feeling sorry for landlords. Yeah. So I want to do a quick reading series of the Washington, uh, the Wall Street Journal's coverage. Of the Berlin and Dagnan campaign. Oh, damn. Who wrote this bad boy? Um, I will get you the name. It is... Yeah, yeah. This article. Have you seen this one? Yes. I remember posting it It's written it by Conrad my... Putzia. I remember posting Putzia. it on my Facebook saying that they're shaking in their boots. <laughs> well, they are shaking. Let's read... So, I'm going to skip most of it. I just want to read... I mean, anything that comes out I'm of the gi- Wall Street Journal I know is just garbage. I'm, so giving, I'm giving you the highlights King. here. So they've already talked about how they think the it won't pass. But but trade groups worry that even if the ballot initiative fails, it will help push public opinion to the left, put pressure on politicians, and further stir anti-landlord sentiment. Oh, the most oppressed minority. Last week, several cars belonging to Deutsche Wohnen <laughs> were torched, and the police are investigating the attack as a potential politically motivated crime. Yeah, cool. There are hate crimes occurring against Deutsche Wohnen. Hate crimes Wohnen. against landlords. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then a quote. Um, a goal of the initiative was to drive away investors and create something poisoned. Can't and it succeeded. Fucking cars and that's very bitch. bad for Germany and Berlin. Said Manuela Damianakis, Deutsche Wohnen spokeswoman. Wait, so there's a Greek person running uh-huh. the fucking Deutsche Wohnen? <laughs> no, she's just the They PR. bought her. They bought her. <laughs> they enslaved her. <laughs> that's that's the Third Ooh. Amendment in Germany. You can yeah. you can take a Greek woman to, to, to <laughs> into your company. To pay off your uh, your German property. But loan honestly, she has to take all the Deutsche heat, Wohnen. like because she's the one in public and everyone's yelling oh, at her. Oh God! How dare her! Like how dare her work for Deutsche Bank? 
She argued that by scaring off private investors, the initiative will make it harder to, f- to build much-needed affordable housing. Yeah. By scaring off private investors, the people who saved my country. <laughs> <laughs> so, Literally, you know, like, yeah. I, 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 like, I, vote Neodokimitia yeah, yeah, next weekend or whatever the fuck the election is. But, I mean, we're all laughing at how ridiculous this concept is. I anti- just find it funny that they enslaved a Greek woman to become their <laughs> spokesperson. But, like, that this, like, landlord, yes, this is some hate crime against landlords. I but, wanna, yeah. And all the apartments that they build too is really cool, right? Yeah, all you know, yo, I haven't built it yet, but it's gonna be <laughs> sick. There's gonna be like a treehouse in my room, okay, and like it's all water, so you gotta like swim to get to your clothes. Like it's gonna be a sick apartment. Yeah, that's fucking cool. <laughs> so it's like you ever see Hey Arnold or Drake and Josh or Dude, any Hey Arnold's bedroom was the coolest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thing ever. Everyone's gonna have a bedroom like Hey Arnold. I mean, Deutsche Wohnen, where, like, like keep, keep They're what still you're designing doing. it. If I get a Harold bedroom, that's cool. If everyone gets a Greek Gerald. With a Greek cool best friend. <laughs> There's no such thing as a cool Greek best friend. He's just annoying. <laughs> Who are you then? <laughs> Greek best <laughs> yeah, we pressed we pressed Nick into service. Yeah. Has to be friends with him. I'm sold off to Deutsche Wohnen next week. You assholes! Oh, no. 110,000 Greeks. <laughs> they promised us. They promised us more listeners. So we sold. Yeah, we sold Nick off. It's time to bring in Deutsche Wohnen's grotesque Greek person monopoly into municipal ownership. But everyone. The- <laughs> oh no, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, a chicken in every pot, a Greek in every friendship. <laughs> <laughs> you just walk into your apartment, and you get a shot of Uzo. <laughs> I mean, hey, yeah, like, hey, now we're talking. Uh. In all, in all seriousness, though, um, I call absolute bullshit on what she said. Um, so one of the fun things that uh, you know the real estate lobby in Berlin likes to hit on is this. Bowen, 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 build, 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 build. Hmm. What is insane, though, is in the last 10 years, they have built zero social uh, social apartments, basically. Uh, I think over the past five years, there's been a 1,000 social apartments that have been built. Um, these are apartments that are actually uh, um, publicly financed um, and ones that are, are kept below a certain uh, income uh, threshold. Um, 1,000, and they were all built by the six public uh, pu- housing companies in the cities as well it's crazy to think that the private market would build affordable housing there's no incentive for them to build affordable housing there's no return on it you make something uh obscenely low in terms of of that in terms of of the building costs the acquiring the land costs the land cost itself is based on speculation so if you're spending a, a crap ton of money to acquire the land in the first place you're expecting a certain amount of return um we have always said that actually, yes, one of the, the purposes of the referendum is to scare off toxic investors because <laughs> we don't want their money. What they're doing is they're actually creating their own housing crisis. They're displacing people from affordable housing. Um, I mean, you can you, you guys were saying it earlier. You know, there's two people, two apartments that are surrounding you in this, this house that are being renovated. They're going to triple the price. These are probably people that were either kicked out of their apartment or uh, they, they died. Died. They just died, yeah. Or there's also um, still existing contracts that were um, uh, financed by the city as well. So cities also uh, subsidize uh, 
public uh, private building as well with with deals to uh, offer discount uh, rent rent as well so actually when when we're talking about investment money coming to the city what they're doing is they're they're cornering the market more and more and more which is creating the the shortage of, of affordable housing in the first place so okay but honestly bro like art takes time and you can't rush my genius i'm building the most beautiful <laughs> hey apartment, apartment you've ever seen and it takes time what you if the hey arnold apartment but it is the entire city of berlin once we get rid of <laughs> everyone who wants to live here <laughs> <laughs> but okay so like Deutsche Wohnen doesn't do this so much, but one of the other big ones, I forget which one, they really are like, you know, we're like cool and your friend, like we're making, not we're, like, you know, you want to move to Berlin and be cool? Like, don't worry, we have the right apartment for you. And like, honestly, it reminds me of the XXX Tentacion Mom's Basement video. <laughs> which <we> keep- <laughs> Fuck off! You're to oh, bring no. this honestly. Okay, okay. Let me explain. Is this the video that I managed to escape? Yes. God damn, yes, what is, is this? It's I'm so, so scared. It's, it's, just, it's the worst video on YouTube. Okay. What are they talking about in that video? All the fake people and the clout sharks. Okay. But I don't want to bring this up. I hate this thing. I don't know why this give, has been brought into give my me time. life. Give me You know, I'm also trying to trying to make my art here and you're rushing me. Like uh <laughs> like you're trying to expropriate my my bit. <laughs> okay. What are they they talk about cl- the clout sharks and fake people. But the irony of that video it, literally everyone's on their phone. All right, you got to listen to me. I'm listening to you. <laughs> All right. I'm just writing down 110,000 Greek Geralds. <laughs> God. Um, I was actually brought to you here by the German state. Yeah. <laughs> to be my friend. To be your friend. Sick. Okay. The irony of the video is those people are, I'm sure, fake as fuck. Like Lil Xan is a clout shark. And they're talking about all the other cloud sharks. So really, it's no different than Deutsche Wohnen when they're saying like, man, there's all these like people, like all these rent sharks out here, man. Like I gave someone a contract and, you know, I raised their water for like 500%. And all of a sudden they're trying to organize with the other people in their building, man, like the fucking fake friends out here. Like, like I trusted you, bro. Like I, I let you into my home. Like we built this home together. And now you're like, now I don't even want to do this, bro. I fucking love you. But like you're making me. You know, you're trying to expropriate, like, uh, us, man. And what's perfect about it is that's who the fuck they are. Like, FaZe Banks, even, he's a fucking landlord. Like, he's taking all the money from his little gamer kids. Like, he's actually, like, like garnishing their wages. And so, like, the landlords, whether it's a fucking ass, like a, like a rapist blogger like Adam22, or a landlord like Deutsche Wohnen. Adam22's fucking cool. You shut up. Both of them are just trying to be cool, trying to be your friend. But they're not, man. They're the real sharks. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget. No. <laughs> I mean, I Sorry, think now you know. Been Googling face banks for some reason. <laughs> I mean, in general, I think that's uh, that's just part of the commodification of everything. You also commodify your personal relationships. So, yeah, it makes sense for landlords to kind of create this idea of home. Um, but I think that that actually goes against just about anything that is currently active in the current property re- property regime you know the idea that you can you can swap debt and sell uh securitized uh bonds based on housing in general is is the complete abstraction of what housing is you know it's it's the idea that uh 
the housing is not actually a right or uh, a place of dwelling or abode. It's that, speculation. It's, it's a speculation. It's a com- It's a commodity. It's an asset. Um, and this is something that is is a global, you know, a global phenomenon in general. But it's uh, as I said earlier, you know, that David Harvey always says that it's about the spatial fix of capital, always searching new markets um, of expropriation or uh, appropriation. Um, and finding it in places where there hasn't been market relationships before, so you you extend um, constantly the the reach of market relationships and capital, and that's what also what's happening in terms of housing. Uh, like we were talking about it earlier, but like part of the gentrification of Berlin is it just put like one giant terrible mall in each neighborhood, like um, they don't control your life. Like no, Amazon but 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 what they are is that like. Like, because they're all the same, and they all have like the same like. Each one has like a DM and a and a cheva, which is actually useful. But then each one has like three supplement stores that want to sell you like strawberry creatine and stuff, and they're all empty. Like, well, but strawberry each- is obviously the worst flavor. But <laughs> I think Tom made a very good point off. Way, way, way too is, much added sugar, which is very true. Which is they they have both a Saturn and a Media Markt, which well, is two electronic <laughs> stores. Here. They're open I, company too. Like, <laughs> You know, they suck, but each one has their own escape room. And, you know, that's just sick. Every neighborhood can have their own <laughs> escape battles and they compete against yeah. the other neighborhoods. Should, but, like, but, honest, but it's like, like, it feels to me like feudal because it's like the, like, castle to protect the little village. And when you're invaded, everyone will, like, run to the mall for protection. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can hide out there. You know, we have munitions from, like, Rossman for, like, a few months. Ian Syriac and his knights round table. Yeah, when, when he comes in Mad Max style can, with all his cars driving into the neighborhood, you so can hide in your mall, killing a, a small army of boars. <laughs> I want to make I want to make one really good point here. I also think that uh, when you say kind of this uh, this reproduction of recognizable signature uh, symbols of capitalism, it's it's something that also happens everywhere. You know, it's like the really crappy new shopping centers in. Uh, Kuala Lumpur or Bangkok or Singapore. Um, there's actually a really, really good quote from Raquel Relnick, who used to be the special, um, uh, basically, assistant uh, reporter for housing for the UN. Um, it's from her new book, uh, Urban Warfare, which is great. It's all about the financialization of housing on the global scale. Um, she says... On an earth ruled into squares by the universal registration of property, it is the language of contracts that, allied with the morphology of real estate products such as the corporate flow, the shopping center, and the postmodern cultural center, allows for safe entry of international speculative capital. It does not matter if we are in Dubai, Astana, Johannesburg, Mumbai, or Rio de Janeiro. We speak the same language. We, we identify the same landscape. We step on the same floor abstract abstracted and subtracted from the territory lived and experienced by those who were there before no tuk-tuk drivers navigating around rows no mobile street vendors offering exotic food no distinct ways of life it is not by chance that dispossession is also a machine for the material and symbolic annihilation of lifestyles so i want to bring it like we we've talked about on the show germans fucking love their quinquesets Fucking love it. Since Article 15 is part of the Constitution, Germans must love it, right? No problems there. No problems whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think there's this one party. Um, this, uh, well, which party are you We weren't which, invited which party are you to thinking? it. <laughs> which party are you thinking about? We are the party poopers. <laughs> um, yeah, so not everyone has been so enthusiastic about the 
uh, I would say the the reintroduction of Article 15 into the public awareness, and that is the FDP, which is actually pub- publicly called for uh, Article 15 to be removed from the German Constitution. That sounds very oh, not yeah, German baby. of them. To ask it sounds for very an not German. If I can removed. quote, because this was just at the Parteitag last month, or so, it was it was, it was recent recent you know? where they made it official. <clears throat> It's from Tagesspiegel. In the dispute over the Berlin petition for a referendum on the expropriation of housing companies, the FDP leadership wants to remove the legal basis from the request by amending the basic law. Quote, Article 15 does not fit to the social market economy. It is a constitutional relic and for good reason has never been applied. Party chairman Christian Lindner told the Tagesspiegel... They're going to expropriate the sparkles. <laughs> to abolish it would be a contribution to social peace and would bring the debate back to the essentials. I, I think it's just outrageous to say the contribution to the social peace. I mean, who's disturbing the social peace if it's not I mean, the... the FDP. Exactly. <laughs> this, the most garbage party in this country. They set fire to the cars in a false flag situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who I, knows? I mean, what is that? That's like 10,000 euros, some crappy smart car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's throwing around money for Christian Lindner. There, there I mean, are that's his of... like, weekend Coke money that he yeah. fucking just like, gives out. You know, are... You don't become a member of the FDP by like... Not having a handful of tens of ground to like. Well, I mean, it's always this. Uh, this is also some kind of rhetoric that always people from the CDU and the CSU say that you know it's inflaming the public discourse. That it, it's it's uh, exposing <laughs> the social, plebs are thinking social, again. <laughs> social rifts. It's it's causing rifts within uh, society. But you know. I've always said that, you know, what's more... My grandkids won't call me. They don't respond to my emails. Well, Grandma, stop charging so much fucking rent. (laughs) Get off your horse, landlord Grandma. The Greek Greek Jared you sent me is shit. He's Macedonian. (laughs) But, you know, I've I've always said, you know, what, what... causes more social unrest than you know the expropriation of the body and the soul and the mind under capitalism in general um i mean you know i shouldn't be saying this as a spokesperson but um in general it it is the uh expropriation of 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 people's livelihood that is causing them to uh i would say rear up and uh uh fight back and this is obviously something that the established parties like the ftp don't want it's not in the interest of capital there are a million things about the FTP reaction and a million things about the FTP in general that disgust me. <laughs> but what's great about Their this... Their color scheme. As a that, designer, that's my oh first... Oh, God, yeah. Holy shit. I, I forget about that all the time. And the pink. fact that like none of the members of the party can like walk normally on the... Like, <laughs> on the, on they the, are uh, all literal robots just yeah. scuttering around stage. Just, I'm walking to democracy. <laughs> just kidding. It's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's authoritarianism, but I'll never tell. Uh, yeah, talk about machines from the future assembling capital. They just took the form of FTP. Um, yeah, that 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 party's like. Uh, I mean, well, I'm, I'm glad that like they got very few seats in the European election, but I just know next like national election is going to go fucking magically buck wild because Germany makes no sense ever <laughs> because the European election will always be like backwards to that of then how the country actually votes like locally mm. and it'll be like FDP like 30% or something next election yeah. <laughs> I mean I, our honestly it would fit man because the FDP and to a certain extent the other like liberal parties throughout Europe we've talked about I don't know Macron's party and the Ciudadanos I think FDP I, I don't want to say they're all exactly the same 
But what they all have in common is that all young fucking just dipshit looking BVS students. What they what they all are with their dad's Porsches is that (laughs) they try to be like the nice guys of fascism. I think we're all aware of the concept of a nice guy. You know, sure, oh, like, sure, all clear with the concept quote, of fascism. A nice too. guy, <laughs> capital Ed, capital G, nice Ex- guy, TM, TM, exactly. TM, TM. Yeah, okay. they talk about how all you need is liberal democracy and the rule of law, and you have all these people protesting. You have people trying to do radical solutions, and you should just believe in the state and you know this like wonderful, fragile thing we have called the liberal democracy. And then when you actually try to use the constitution they oh, built, shit. it's fucking mask off, and they're like. Uh, actually, we're gonna get rid of that. That's not part of the like liberal democracy we were talking about. You're you're, you're talking about like skeezy guys who are like, why won't any women date me? I'm such a nice guy. Exactly. Like, because, why won't any people vote for they, my party? They try I'm to appeal nice to the uh, you mean incels. They're like the <laughs> the incels of uh, political party. Well, like the the like the fascists like. Like I said, our mask off. But what about the FDP? Is they they try to like appeal to the youth and they say, yeah, we're just hip and modern and young. But if you push them on their on the thin veneer that they have over this like their constant refrain to liberal democracy, all they really want is just the engine of capital run wild, you know. And when I say that the nice guys of capital, what I mean is that like if like you you hit them with like a a, a milkshake once, they're gonna freak out and want to cut the tall trees like. There's, there's not much there. They're not any alternative. I mean, this has always been the history of neoliberalism, hasn't it been? It's that you're willing to flirt with far right authoritarianism to secure the sanctity of markets. So I, I don't, I don't see it as anything particularly out of uh, out of the ordinary. You know, yeah. it's like when the veneer comes off, uh, when neoliberalism continues to squeeze more and more out of people. Um, and commodify their lifestyle in a way that is unsustainable. Uh, you have to resort to force and authoritarianism to sustain the system. So. But it, like the the FTA pays like is particularly weird to me because one they they were never very good for all the like liberal democrat centrist parties of Europe. They were never very good at like hiding the fact that they were actually quite right wing. Like the Lib Dems in the UK did a much better job of it. But then there's like. The FD, no, no, no. The FDP actually was was pretty good at that in like the nineties. Yeah. Oh, no, no, okay, okay. Yeah. So they broke sooner, but then at the same time, like compare and what's them. His name Guido uh, Guido Vestave. Guido Vestave. He was the uh, also minister or the yeah. foreign secretary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like the FDP, like made like it was kind of a big deal that he was in this government because he was like the first openly gay member of German right. parliament. Yeah. Okay. So the FDP actually historically was like pretty good at hiding themselves with their social liberalism. But then like at the same time, the other thing that weirds me out about them is like, unlike the C's, uh, Theodanos in Spain, like they haven't actually gotten like a huge threat from the left. Like Theodanos have basically sided with the fascists because they're like, they're scared of Bodemos essentially, or like left wing mobilization in Spain. But that's not happening here in Germany. Like, why are you, why are you guys acting like this? So which political parties in Germany or in Berlin have backed the referendum? And to what extent? Uh, might as well, that's a good segue, I guess. So at the moment, the only party that's... Uh, I mean, the only party that's in the parliament that is supporting it is Die Linke, um, which is important because they are part of the coalition. So they're and actually, they've incorporated it into like their uh, the like placata for the European yeah, Parliament so and stuff. They adopted and, it into their European election. And to program. confirm for like international listeners, by coalition we mean for the Berlin government. 
For the Berlin government, yeah. exactly. So right now, the SPD, um, Social Democrats, and the Greens, and Die Linke are uh, the governing coalition. So mm-hmm. the Greens have uh, like cautiously uh, approached the idea. Um, I think they're still debating it in terms of whether they want to fully endorse it. Mm. But their youth movement's gone buck wild about this issue, though. Yeah. They're I, really cool about it. I think in, in general, you have you have quite a lot of support with the memberships of the of these parties. You know, I mean, they're traditionally leftist parties um, or left leaning parties in the case of the SPD and the Greens, but. Um, the membership is really uh, excited and enthused about this idea, but uh, the power brokers have to, of course, um, cautiously distance, distance themselves about um, from it as well. So, if we go back to Article 15 and the reason, like talking about how it's never been implemented before, I mean, the main issue here is that it's a political decision. So, uh, explicitly in the Constitution, it says that it requires a law to be passed. Um, and the amount of money that will be compensated is an amount that will be determined by the law, which means it's a matter of political will. So when you're talking about these parties that are uh, still in power in Berlin, you know, they have to make deals and to, to stay in power. You know, they have to accommodate different interest groups. They have to accommodate uh, private capital as well. So um, the SPD actually has been, I think, probably one of the worst about this because um, they're basically either just pretending it's just not feasible and not talking about mm. it. Um, they've actually made a point to avoid a holding a discussion about it within the party until I think later in the fall when they have their their general assembly. That like, that always works. Just always avoid. Works. Just you know, I, from personal experience, if you just avoid a problem, it goes away. <laughs> yeah, voting in Macron will stop Le Pen. Yeah, <laughs> and the mayor, the mayor himself, Michael Muller, is from the SPD. Um, I think he, he was also from the planning. He was. The Wait, plan- didn't he have like uh, that like? Galaxy brain take oh, yeah. about how if um, if and Eignung goes through, he then tried to make like an equivalent, like he tried to equate it to the Holocaust. Oh, he 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 brought up the fact that it uh, it it could be anti-Semitism because we there's a chance that one that of was the, it. one of the investors in the companies or one of the owners might be Jewish. So then and he was being anti-Semitic in his. It's kind of reverse anti-Semitism yeah. by saying that, uh, you know, oh, there must be uh, somebody All the Jews own all the properties. That is so Jewish. It was, it was like this would be the, the largest expropriation second- of property from Jewish people since yeah. World War Two. Yeah. And I think it's also pretty egregious when you think about, the, you know, active Jewish leftists in the city as well that are supporting the campaign as well yeah. do they do they not have a voice do they not have uh active participation nope, in they this? all have to obey the fact that they're just this old stereotype from you know a century ago they're exactly. all they're all landlords they're all men of of industry which that also actually wasn't even true 100 years ago either <laughs> well it's a, it's a gross instrumentalization of uh you know a shared trauma yeah. yeah, and it's. I just loved that that bizarre, just you know, like oh well, it's actually anti-Semitic if you you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appropriate you know. We're all shaking properties. our heads. No. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention? Like I have written here, like right to the city movement, like more like the like surrounding aspects of the of the Antigonin movement, and also Antigonin in general, how it's always been sort of like the word Antigonin appears a lot in Germany, usually like. Whether it's coal companies like taking small villages, or the autobahn needs to keep going for some reason, and they just like yeah. take over more. I mean, I think uh, 
when it comes to expropriations in general, it's something that happens every day <laughs> in Germany. It's really not so out of the ordinary. We also were pretty keen to emphasize the fact that it happens quite often for economic interest reasons as well. So, you know, recently there was also a couple expropriations for coal <laughs> uh, in Germany. I think there was also one case where they had to tear a church down <laughs> in Western Germany, <laughs> which was great because uh, SPD had this really great sign that was like, um, normally we'd uh, leave the, the church in the village, which is kind of like... Uh, a German expression for saying like, um, you know, we'll, we'll like, we won't lose our heads or whatever. Mm. Um, and then they said something like, uh, Bauen statt Klauen, so build instead of steal. Um, and then somebody on Twitter had this great picture of a, of a church and was like, well, actually you didn't leave the church in the, <laughs> in the village. You expropriated it for some, from some coal. That's great. Um, so it's the idea here that, you know, the state has, uh, and society has a, as a general interest in, um, commonly, uh, managing the land as well. Um, I think it's, it's often immensely undemocratically done, uh, in the way that, uh, either it's for some, some crazy, uh, infrastructure project that's being done as some private, uh, public, uh, partnership to, uh, well, David up, Harvey raise like, up property. addresses that really well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, so to like, raise up property prices as well. You know, there's this huge, massive regime in terms of municipal uh, entrepreneurialism where cities are just kind of looking for roaming capital to to build. So, you know, the throughout cities in the world, they're, they're constantly tearing down uh, affordable housing and favelas and slums to accommodate uh, infrastructure projects as well. Um, I just think in general, uh, when it comes to the German context, you know, um, people have the general feeling that um, actually this is something that the government does normally. Uh, why is it so egregious or out of the ordinary to do it when it has such a net positive effect for people in the city and for renters in general? Um, yeah, that's my question. It's a good question. I have a question for you. This is this could be the one that really breaks you. Okay, I'm ready. You just want to keep Berlin poor but sexy. <laughs> is this my favorite Jan Fleischhauer piece? No, no, no. But fucking everybody says that. Like every yeah. interview they do, they're like, you know, Berlin, you want to keep it poor and sexy. We're trying to bring in the future. Like, first of all, I'm sexy because of me. I'm poor because of you. Let's get that straight. Like, <laughs> that's, they're not the same source. But like, to me, that's just ah, oh, it's so frustrating. It's very frustrating. I think in general. Because stop knocking over shit in my apartment. It's already shit enough. <laughs> because in general, I'm trying to keep gentrification down. I'm just cool. spilling yeah. stuff. Spilling everywhere. beers well, left and right so that my rent stays low. Shooting it's, guns into the air. <laughs> it's it's good that you mentioned the word gentrification because that's actually essentially what any kind of growth in the city is. You know, it's always the people that that come in uh, and displace the actual working people and the working culture, the working history of the cities as well. Um, you know, we're not against change. Um, I think it's it's just mostly about determining the change ourselves and determining the speed and where the funds for, for social purposes are being directed. You know, if the city itself had a vested interest in growing the people's chances in their economic fortitude or possibilities, they would invest more in, in schools and in, 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 uh, infrastructure, not the bad type that I mentioned earlier, but, you know... Uh, 
uh, hospitals and nurses uh, mm-hmm. in general. But, you know, actually what we're doing now is we're, we're hollowing out the city when it comes to some of these service providers. You know, nurses and firefighters are being forced to move farther out of the city because they can't afford their rent anymore in general. Um Berlin itself is also a dynamic city. So um, when we're talking about this kind of uh, spatial fix of capital and this uh, quantification of uh, sexy investment opportunities, Berlin itself is seen as, as an investment opportunity because it's hip, it's alternative. Uh, you know, Richard Florida has this terrible idea. Woo! Woo! That, uh, <laughs> the, new- the guy's name's actually Richard Florida. Yeah. His friends call him Rich. <laughs> I call him Flo Rida. Flo Rida. But I mean, <laughs> Richard Florida sounds Rich like a Rich Florida, star. please. Yeah, Dick Florida. Dick Florida. Um, his idea is that, you know, cities are now going to be populated by the creative class, uh, which is kind of like a weird misleading, misreading of history because cities have always been actually occupied by very productive people. They were centers of production. So, you know, one of the main uh, historical aspects of kind of the financialization of housing is that you have this retreat of uh, manufacturing in cities, which then opened up all this space, which was then kind of turned into either squat housing or um, basically inner city flight, you know, white flight, you know, Baltimore, D.C., whatever. Um, and then you had kind of the, the people returning back into the city looking for al- alternative lifestyles, which then again made it attractable for capital as well so the idea that uh you can't keep berlin fun and thriving without throwing a ton of financial capital into it is absurd you're actually destroying what keeps it alternative by throwing all this money into the city in general um it doesn't have to be poor (laughs) i think in general (laughs) if you were to much more socially uh run the city you would have a, a much better thriving uh, and i would say sexy city in general that would stay sexy you know i don't know <laughs> all the like Vladimir. rich yuppies who move into like the nice parts of town seem to have a different opinion <laughs> <laughs> look culture yeah. clash yeah for sure <laughs> we all just want to fuck municipally owned apartments right <laughs> we can all say that that's, that's what we're that's what we're here for right you know the old that's berlin, why i'm here the old berlin is not sexy you know what's sexy Ten thousand new jobs that all consist of emailing emailing each other back and forth where are we on this over and over and over again <laughs> that's me <laughs> look the future is no longer actually building things it's all just having various jobs that really when you get down to it could be described as a spreadsheet factory Working in a spreadsheet factory. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, bullshit jobs. Mm. Like David Gerber says. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I think um, if we're returning back to the idea that um, you have to somehow be poor and impoverished by having a large amount of municipal housing, that's kind of crap because <laughs> uh, look at Vienna, for one example, uh, is 60% municipal housing. Vienna is constantly in the top five for the best cities in the world to yeah, live in. Best orgies yeah. in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we've got full circle. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> even, not even top five, like top two. It's just constantly switching places with Melbourne. <laughs> no. Yeah, so it's like 
yeah, it's a fucking good city. But like, though, there's there's decent social housing projects all across the continent. Like Madrid has done some very good social housing projects because it's a left-controlled city, uh, or it was until this weekend. I'm going to talk about that later. Um, similarly, there has been decent projects in parts of Brussels as well. Like, there's Brussels very much solved the whole like. Uh, social housing has to like look shit and they're like nah <laughs> fuck you this looks really nice and we're giving it to people who need it yeah uh, I think also you also have the flip side of um, the market building affordable housing so um, you know I've of course been reading up quite a, a bit on this in the last few months um, there's this great uh, story from Chile of all places our little Pinochet neo- neoliberal paradise mm-hmm. Um I think around um, 1970s, late 1970s, early 80s, um, they basically had this idea that uh, they had need to have social housing produced by the market. Um, and basically, instead of building what the public sector determines, um, they left it up to the builders to produce or complete what the consumers desire, quote-unquote, um, and by this, that the the that the I know you guys are laughing, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking of that bitch and idiocracy is like uh, the Gatorade. It's what plants crave. <laughs> Gatorade. It's what Chileans crave. It's what uh, private, uh, cheap, and produced housing. It's what Chileans crave. Um, and, and they're all ha- dying. And I'm, no one I'm, knows I'm why. so so curious because you know. Everything during this era in Chile was shit. Like, mm. not even just dictatorship, just, like, shit wages. You know, uh, GDP was also, like, plummeting. Like, everything that then was imagined of neoliberal economics, like, failed here. So how did housing work? Let's go. They were all know. insecure that they weren't as thick as Argentina. They had the Ola Arnold house. <laughs> let me let me tell you about this. <laughs> it's so, just so. terrible. It built, like, 200 Hay Arnold houses. That was so... It. In in Chile over this uh, over this period, um, I, th- I think uh, something like ten no twenty years. I'm sorry. They built two million new residential units. Okay. Um, Five hundred thousand of them were these viviendas económicas, which is like uh, affordable living. Um, basically, they cornered the market in these areas where they gave the land to private developers to build on. Um, within these new uh, built built areas they basically deregulated all all of the building construction you just houses made of paper <laughs> good first step deregulate yes. yeah yes. they deregulated everything um they basically uh rezoned everything that was available to build on i think they doubled the amount of buildable land uh almost instantly um the result was uh basically um completely segregated social spatial uh areas where Woo! uh environments that have actually been produced as new places associated with poverty and marginality in the city. They said that uh, the survey in 2002 revealed that 64.5% of residents wanted to leave these viviendas or houses. Reasons included problems with neighbors and perceptions about lack of safety and drug-related activities. Among those who wanted to leave, 90% were scared or ashamed of living there. So, Actually, you create these little pockets of space that are uh, there's no there's no spatial inclusion in terms of economic opportunity. There's no services. It's not reachable by public transportation. They don't have uh, any way to to integrate into any other kind of form of production within the city as well. Um, 
it's just it's it's crazy to think that the market is able to to be this great facilitator of such as a, a complicated factor such as city living and urban life it's <laughs> second part where do we go from here regardless of the outcome of this I mean, murdering particular... landlords right like we're all maoists now i thought it's on the program all right it's a 12 step <laughs> program all right you can't skip the steps yeah i can't skip this at the end we're on step three which is burning some of their cars <laughs> step four is practicing our punching by killing a bunch of swans. i'm a posadist now so. I'm at like step 16 <laughs> so when this uh inevitably gets uh Dug up and uh, retweeted by the FTP. Um, no, let's not. I'll make sure that let's uh, not kill that because I may. Uh, <laughs> we're all chasing clout. Yeah, we're all chasing clout. So uh, um, we little, has- little do y'all know, I'm has- actually an FTP member. Is like secretly infiltrating the left. Hashtag Monday- Mondays for class struggle. Like, <laughs> look off. I literally suspect that half of the FTB followers are like hate followers. <laughs> We're like, let's see what these fucking gals are saying today. <laughs> um, are we going to win? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So we've had several polls, well, a couple of polls. I think done by Tiger Spiegel in general, the majority of Berlin does support it. So the problem i think that we're having right now at the moment is kind of the the narrative around the um expropriation debate um there's been made quite a lot of fuss about the affordability about it um there's been a very wide range of numbers um from the amount uh, yeah the the government wants to give 30 billion or something that was the super super high amount or the the you top know, threshold when of, you of sell the apartments estimates. for 400 million and buy them and can buy them back later for 30 billion you got to take that deal i'll take that's that deal a, that's that's just economics 101 well the the cool thing is that since we're including all the other landlords that have more than 3000 apartments it's something like 250000 apartments so it's also all these other companies as well that's coming into this um but uh, actually, the Senate uh, made some mistakes in their math. So the actual figure is something more like twenty billion if they're using the same model. But the great thing about Article Fifteen is that it says the law must give uh, guidance. Basically, the law must determine what the amount must be. And uh, basically, the Berlin Senate had three experts analyses on the legality of this constitutionally and they all said that confirmed that yes it's constitutionally viable um and also one of the scholars said basically that based on the wording of the constitution that it can be uh much lower than the market rate so we've always been saying that nothing so nothing yeah two canadian dollars (laughs) no unfortunately unfortunately, turkish lira (laughs) unfortunately it says it's actually pretty vaguely worded so it says actually literally like appropriate compensation okay so so do that number amount but then just in turkish lira yeah four acres and a meal meal. but we've we've actually also argued that uh you know based on all of it back in greek drachmas based (laughs) that they funneled through an estonian bank (laughs) Based on Article 14, uh, which says, uh, which is the the previous uh, article that also has to do with expropriation, says that eigentum verpflichtet, which means that uh, property basically makes you responsible. So if you are abusing uh, the way that you own your property and that it has a detrimental effect to society, then uh, you are possibly not. 
you know, within your rights, property-wise. So we've also argued that the, in terms of three models, we were saying, you know, there could be a nominal um, fee, one euro, um, or we base it much more closer on what the uh, sale value for public housing is actually at the moment. I think it's like 10 euros um, less than what Deutsche Wohnen values their apartment. So I think uh, we were also saying that as well. Um, and in my opinion, you know, they've made such an intense profit on this in general. Uh, I would actually go favor the, the nominal uh, compensation. Um, after the success of the campaign, I'm assuming that we're going to be sued. <laughs> So, um, lawyer up. This uh, could take some time. We got so. you covered. We have an army of lawyers here <laughs> at Cornish BT. I, so I can represent you in Cornish. I will go with the classic strategy of I'm going to swing my arms and move slowly towards you. And if you get hit by it, it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my glasses off and put the corner in my mouth a bit and look at the jury and put them back on. Damn, <laughs> Rob. You got me. That was too sexy. <laughs> you saw how I clumsily smacked the mic with my glasses? No, no, no. That, that was off. also, that was charming and hot. Yeah. Um, so it, it's expected that it will be taken to court. Um, I'm not a legal expert, so I don't have so much in terms of the precedence here. But I know that there are special express uh, processes for cases like this, especially if it could be proven that there's a distinct need for it. You know, it's all about the political will, you know, and I think in general when you see a party like the SPD shedding shedding votes uh, basically in <laughs> a unstoppable uh, death spiral towards irrelevancy, um, you know, it's up to them also death to... Cult. Death to cult. Get, death cult. <laughs> get on board with initiatives yeah, that show literally that they literally have at a their program. Lowest approval rating since, like, the late 19th century. So it's up to us to keep the heat up. It's up to us to keep fighting for renters in general. We're organizing people in their buildings. We start, we have a organizing wing of our company, um, our campaign that goes out and organizes renters in their buildings that helps them found initiatives, helps them um, create public awareness campaigns to demonstrate against their landlords. Um, also, uh, in terms of what they can do legally, we're not giving so much legal advice, but we also help to connect them with other organizations that do. Um, so this is a very, I would say, integrated uh, grassroots campaign where we're not just pressing for the expropriation, but we're also raising awareness within renters and also helping to network them so that there can be some kind of communal pushback against this. So like, before we move on, I just want to say that like, the probably the coolest thing about Berlin is that this idea is even being entertained by the people who live in it. Um, and like, I know this has been a very like German orientated episode or even possibly a very Berlin orientated episode. And we have like an audience all over Europe, but like increasing rents and just terrible renting conditions is a problem all across Europe. Unless you live in like whatever Lithuania's second largest city is, or like one of those, the five villages that are beside like not by the coast in Croatia though that's probably the only place where you're fine but I'm assuming you don't live there this is happening in Lisbon Copenhagen Stockholm Malmo everywhere so yeah look it up do something similar in your city if you're not already it'd be really cool <laughs> expropriate that wealth yes or do that and expropriate other industries too all right we're gonna go through everybody first what can people in Berlin do 
after listening to this mm-hmm. episode if they feel a little inspired. <laughs> uh, people in Berlin can collect signatures until the 13th. That is the ultimate end date. June 13th. We will not take any more signatures for the first round. Um, you can actually just get involved, show up to a meeting. Um, you can sign if you haven't signed. You can also sign. Too. Where can people sign? Uh, At my apartment, I have again, a sheet right in front of us. <laughs> yes, I think Nick's got a massive stack of of two of two. <laughs> Um, stack. Stack go online to D W E. Uh, so D W and Eignen, uh, dot D E. Uh, there you can find, um, a map with all the places that you can sign. We have different shops around the city. You can sign in basically any neighborhood office for D Linka. Um, also the meet, uh, meet Schutzverband, which is, uh, the renters rights association within Berlin. They're also hosting signature lists as well. Um, so go to any of those places. Uh, you can also print out your own list, bring them to work, convince your uh, employees, uh, your your coworkers <laughs> of the benefits and the virtues of communal housing, uh, community owned housing. Uh, and yeah, do your part to save Berlin from the intense financialization. And from Jan Fleischhaw himself. He's like <laughs> the end <laughs> boss. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> if, what, what about our listeners who don't live in Berlin? What can they do? Um, I would say get involved in, uh, locally in an in initiative. Um, so there, uh, in general, there's a I think a Euro-lition, European coalition for the right to the city. Um, they have different chapters in every city. I think um, get involved. Uh, start a renters initiative in your own building. Try to talk to other renters that you think might be affected. See what you can do communally in terms of. Protests, reaching out to the media, um, anything. Just organize, I think, to to stand up to the power of capital and you know fight for your right to housing. Yes. Because it is, it is exactly that. It is a right. It is not a fucking commodity. Let's clear that up. <laughs> yeah. And with all that said, there will be beautiful links in the description that I think we can point people to. Lots of links. Yes, lots of links. And thanks to Melty Brains and the use of their song for our theme song, New Dawn, D-O-N, Dawn. Not and like. I want to make one more shout out. Yeah. Um, I don't know how this, how his name is pronounced. It's either, and forgive me, Germans, it's either Mick Nazi or MC Nazi. <laughs> and um, he's a local Berlin artist. He let us use his song, which is actually called Meat Spiegel. And um, we're going to close it out with. Oh, um, meat spiegel. Sorry, meat spiegel. We've, we've been going yeah. on this so long. I thought it was a yeah. funny, a funny um, pun on meat or flesh. No, 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 <laughs> meat spiegel. And uh, he's letting us close out our episode with it. Um, it's um, he's like really awesome. I've seen him um, uh, actually like at an anti-apti like demonstration cool. before. He's involved with the Life from Earth um, uh, like rap collective here. And, um, yeah, I just thought that this song kind of really fit to, you know, end, you know, kind of wrap everything up because he is an activist here in Berlin. Um, check his shit out. Like, he does a lot of really cool stuff, um, as uh, do all of the Live from Earth people. So, yeah, just a big shout out to him because uh, he's a pimp. And, um, yeah, so I guess we'll close our episode out. Well, before that. we go, we should, is there anything else that you want to shout out, Tom? I mean,. Your tw- uh, your, I mean, you shouted out Deutsche Wohnen and Tagnen, but any other people? Where can people groups? find you? 
Uh, I'm on Twitter with a grand total of 35 followers. <laughs> well, we'll, that will be we will 36. <laughs> 36. Give me a second. <laughs> it says explicitly this is a bad idea in my Twitter account uh, profile, which yeah. it definitely is. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, T.A. McGath. Uh, I also write somewhat regularly when I can find time and my brain is not felting, melting from the physical effects of neoliberalism. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Go sign. Take your housing back. On that note, uh, we'll see you guys uh, next Monday then. Uh, Unless there's a fucking dumb, special, random thing that pops up in between. (laughs) Tune in next time, whenever that is, to hear Kieran and the rest of us cry about Europe. Ciao, ciao, motherfuckers. Bye. Bye. It's my new phrase. Manema, ein Stadtviertel nahe der Innenstadt. Mit günstigen Mieten, einkommensschwachen Bewohnern und reichlich Leerstand. Attraktiv für Menschen mit wenig Geld, Studenten und Künstler. Das Viertel wird jünger und angesagter. Aus Fabriketagen werden Ateliers, aus besetzten Häusern Sanierungsobjekte, Cafés gefunden. Langsam klettern die Mieten. Jetzt zieht es auch bürgerliche Menschen in den hippen Stadtteil der Wohlstandsstadt. Investoren sanieren ganze Straßenzüge, Eigentumswohnungen entstehen, Ateliers werden zu Loftwohnungen. Für viele Künstler und Studenten wird es jetzt auch zu teuer. Nun gibt es Restaurants, Boutiquen und jede Menge Läden, die eigentlich niemand braucht. Das Viertel ist nicht mehr wiederzuerkennen. Die Gentrifizierung abgeschlossen. Es ist 201 nach der Marianenplatz und die Stimmung ist am Boden bei Berlin der Kragenplatz. Investoren kommen, suchen, kaufen alles auf. Er kauft doch gar kein Geld, gibt mir München jetzt ein Auto. Warum nicht der Mietspiegel? Oh,